Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross, alongside my man Jack McKenzie. What and up? We appreciate every one of y'all for tuning in when you do, whether it's live, whether it's afterwards on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get it. We greatly appreciate that. And another new addition to the channel here on the Crystal Ball College Football as we continue to try to grow, uh, we have added Josh Neighbors, formerly yep. of Locked On. Uh, he is uh, starting to get going on over here. The neighborhood uh, the watch. Neighborhood watch here on Crystal Ball College Football. I think I believe it's going to be Monday through Friday, 1.30, All those days, it's going to be great. Y'all should tune in. Tune in, especially today. Josh is going to have a new episode dropping at 1.30 Central Time. Uh, so make sure you go and check that out on all platforms because he's going to bring the heat, and I'm glad to have him on. I've been I've been knowing Josh for a couple years now, so I'm excited for this to have yeah. him on board. But uh, how are you doing today? Because I'm, I'm doing iffy. I was doing iffy, but I don't know. I'm coming around the last little you bit. You are. You are coming but, around. Um, your your uh, iffiness comes from a place more of uh, probably concern and disappointment, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I um, I'm, a, I'm a Dallas Stars fan, um, and last night was um, disappointing to say the least. Uh, more so, not what happened on the ice within the game, but the fan reaction. So, if you're not aware, last night. Uh, Dallas was heading into Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals at home, the first game in the American Airlines Center against the Vegas Golden Knights. And as soon as the puck dropped, things were out of control. Uh, Dallas is down 0-1, and I'm kind of like, all right, that's cool, here we go. And then it just keeps getting worse, keeps getting worse. Before you know it, by the end of the first period, you're down 4 to nothing. And while that's not ideal um, by any means, especially since you're down 0-2 in the damn series – and both losses coming in overtime, the fans took it to a level where we've seen this, in my opinion. Uh, it just a, shouldn't go. It shouldn't go. And we've seen a rise in fan behavior uh, since COVID really ended and you've started to let people come back into arenas where – and I thought it chilled, off, chilled out for a while. Uh, but last night, Dallas was ugly. You started seeing fans throwing beer and food and stuff all in the rink and just leaving. It was a bad scene. And – I just, to me, dude, like, at the end of the day, I don't care what sport it is. It's a damn game. Like, yeah. th there's nothing. And I know you probably spent a lot of money, um, and that's probably where a lot of that's coming from with the alcohol influence You're as well. You're paying to be there. You're not paying to be allowed to do that but shit. But don't. Just just be respectful because that's – that. Look, as, as somebody like me, I have a hard time going to games in person anyway. Like, I would love to take my family 
Um, but I don't, I don't because of that. I don't trust fans in general, and that's just not ideal. Like I, I just, it's that was ugly. I think that's something we've got to get out of sports across the board. But man, other than that, um, I'm all right. But I just, I felt like that's something that I had to address on here. Whether yeah. you know, it's just that bugged the hell no, out man, of me last we're, night. We're trying to have fun here. We're, we're trying to enjoy the 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 chaos of sports, especially college sports, and like. That's just the wrong kind of chaos. That was, yeah, that is that is not applicable, and that needs to be cut away. But on the flip side, um, there's plenty of stuff going on in college athletics that plenty are stuff. exciting. Um, some are, if, you know, depending on if you're a Pac-12 fan and things continue to rumble out there. And I'm, I'm pulling for you. I really am, but it's not looking great. I mean, we're, we're getting close to actually the majority of college football fans, I dare say, understanding what it feels like yeah. to be the Pac-12. Because the Big the Big 12 went through it last time. Yep. It's Pac-12 right now. And but, now there's all these ACC rumblings. Yeah, and this is a point, man, where a lot of the teams, obviously we, we touched on the Magnificent Seven last week. Um, but one team in particular I think is intriguing, and that's Miami. Because I, I, I know I, my perspective of Miami is probably different than yours. Um I grew up when they were like in the heyday. I got to see like all the the wide rights by Florida State, those games that Miami won, uh, the the juggernaut teams in the early two thousands. Like that, I've seen Miami at its peak. And I when I think of them, I that's how I still view it for whatever reason. I feel like there's a whole generation of people like me that know the U and want it back. And I think that's kind of makes their viewpoint that where they should end up eventually skewed in the eyes of people see i've been feeling like i've been i don't know picking up breadcrumbs or like following this trail back through history since i started getting into football right like i th feel like when i really started getting into football it was like i was born 98 i think it was maybe like 03 04 so you missed and the so glory yeah i missed the glory but the first ncaa uh college football game i played on gamecube was 03 and they always had these historical teams and like Miami was still ranked pretty high in the 03 yeah. one. And in fact, they might've been, I think I remember them being like consistently the number one team. I'd always schedule them when I made a dynasty because mm -hmm. it's like, I'd have it in easy mode and I wanted to go beat the number one team right. in the rankings yeah. real quick. Um, but I kept on being like, so why is Miami number one? And the further away we got from it, the older I got, the more I could understand, the more I was like, but they're not that anymore. W what happened? What like, and so diving back into it, I got to learn. Then the 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 documentary, the U, the thirty for thirty yeah. came out. It was like, oh, this is some cool shit. Catholics versus convicts and all of that. I, as, as someone who who dabbles in graphic design, that is like the holy grail of like <laughs> I think simple everybody sports t-shirts. Exactly. Like, I would love everybody to have wanted to get a Catholics to that. versus convict shirt. Could you imagine what that Especially would go up for? Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be insane. And I would be cheering for the convicts because Notre Dame, nah, yeah. not about it. Anyway, for real. Yeah, no, but like we're not. So when I think of Miami, like I never even realized they were even a private school. Like you know, I'm just thinking of this just juggernaut on the football, and I never even give it given a second thought to their academics prowess or you know what made them unique as a university. But as I've gotten older and it, they've kind of gotten further away from that, it makes you look deeper yeah, at this weird to what small, the school I is. They're private, yeah, they're a private school. They're tiny. They like to. They like to play up their academics. Does it remind you of anyone? Because I think it reminds Manny Navarro of the athletic. 
of someone. And he got into this a bit on 365 Sports on Monday, I believe, right? Yep, it was Monday. And uh, we're going to go ahead and play that clip for you because he's got some interesting things to say about where Miami stands in the world of realignment. Yep. There really is no need for the SEC to do that. I mean, why, why invite Miami to the party? What do they bring to you that uh, you don't already have? So, I, again, that's that's why I think this is big tenor bus. I think from a school administration standpoint, uh, the way that they you know feel about things, I think they, they feel like they're a better fit for the big 10, especially on the academic side. And, uh, you know, um, so I think, you know, you obviously have two different approaches there. The fans want one thing. I think the administration wants something else. Um, again, I, I just, it's going to be a while before anything happens. Right. Yeah. Okay. Levi could have done better on the end of the cut there, <laughs> but, but I think the, the point, the points that he makes are really, really interesting. And I mean, like right off the bat, he just comes out and says it. They fit better with the Big Ten. Miami should be Big Ten or bust. What do you make of that? Um, I think it's intriguing, and I, I think he's kind of right. Like I think I always viewed them as maybe an SEC program, but I think when you look bigger picture as a whole, they do fit better as a university and what they can bring to the Big Ten. And I was kind of thinking back this morning – to when Maryland left, right? Like when Maryland went to the Big Ten, they did a lot of that leverage with their basketball prowess and what they could do. And I feel like if you look at Miami right now, it's they're not just – while they've been struggling um, with football for years, they're, they're on the rise in other sports. I mean, just look at what they did in men's and women's basketball this season. I think when – I don't really see them falling off in either one of those sports. Uh, if Cristobal can really get things rolling, I think you would have a good academic program as a whole to place up there in the Big Ten. And it opens up the recruiting because Miami, when I think of Miami, I think they're I think of them as I do Houston and as I do LA of these these schools who have so much talent in this this one little isolated area that if you're able to go in there and put a, a lock on it like if you could keep all of the Miami talent and then go play in the Big Ten and you're locking out other schools from up there from trying to because that's what the whole point right like you want to be able to recruit Miami yeah. but if you could open them up to the the let them have an easier way to get into Florida as a whole, but you put a lock around your city, I think that would benefit you in the end as a whole athletic program heading into the Big Ten. I mean, I I don't see a world where they can truly lock Miami down. You really like can't, but anymore. I mean, ideally it would be cool. But, yeah, I, I guess that's the theory behind it. What I find really, really extra interesting about this is that kind of uh, what what Navarro went on to say was – Fans want one thing, the administration wants something else, and coupled that with what do you bring to the SEC that they don't already have? It's a great point. I mean, like, if you really see, because I think most fans would be like, yes, SEC, bring Florida State with us. Let's, like, just have this crazy round robin in the state of Florida. But the SEC already has Florida team. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. You would, all, you would also... And they'd rather have Florida State. Yeah. Well, you know they'd rather have yeah. Florida State. And that's too, true, too. So, like, if you're in a situation there, um, you got to think of it bigger picture because the SEC would essentially, if they added Florida State, you already have two schools in Florida. Then you already have the Big 12, who has the largest school in Florida, locked down. I mean, the Big 10 see, would be... interesting to see how that develops for the Big 12, but... I, but still, I think you have a stranglehold. You have, a, a, you know, you have it solidified. You have Florida solidified. Uh, and I think UCF will be able to capitalize that as far as to what level we'll see. But um, 
the Big Ten, yeah, you would be completely left out. You need to get Miami or you're going to fall behind in one of the most talent-rich states in the nation. Yeah. Yeah, I I can see the argument there. But as much as we're hearing, like uh, we also heard on 365 Sports earlier this week from uh, Tom Chattel yep. of the Omaha World Journal. Yep. Um, that the Big Ten is looking south and east, not west. And we could go off and talk about how, wh- what does that mean for the Washingtons and Oregons? I believe it to be true as well. But I don't necessarily see what the Big Ten can do with Miami that they can't already do. I think, I think it goes back to geography with that. I mean, because... You don't want to be. Geography really matter now, though. Like, I get that, but I feel like from a there's to me, you can't undervalue being able to go in and recruit a state, knowing that that a school is going to be. All right, think about this: how many alums from these Big Ten schools headed to South Beach or headed to Florida? for you know to get away vacations i feel like there's just so many ties there that if you wanted to go watch a game and you're an alum and you don't want to freeze your ass off and you want to watch ohio state like why wouldn't you want to see ohio state go to miami we've already but i mean navarro said himself the fans versus what the administrations want i can see how like university presidents would want to have miami in i don't necessarily see how athletic directors want miami in because I don't think the fans make that much of a difference to the athletic director, as terrible as that might sound. So you think athletically the Big Ten wouldn't want Miami? I think there there are better options. There are, but I mean, what, where would you go? It's like, because I, I think like going back to Chantel's um, argument when he said they're looking east instead of west, I feel like they know what's going to happen. I feel like big. I feel like there's a, this this. Um, like secret society handshake deal with, with Oregon and Washington, the big 10, like they know like, okay, if, if it hits the fan, you're good, you're coming. So I think looking East, ideally you would naturally look at, I, I just feel like Miami would be one of those schools you naturally looked at with like a North Carolina. Like if you're the big 10, like why would you not want those programs? Like I, I, I that's how I view and I view my Miami's value. Um, maybe so, I'm wrong though. I just, I think yeah. they hold weight. I'm not I'm not saying the Big Ten wouldn't want them. I just don't think they're an instant take. I think the, I think North Carolina is a quicker take. I honestly, even though Miami has more history, I think Oregon's a quicker take. Even though we're already talking about how the Big Ten's not looking west, I think Notre Dame is an instant take if they can push them to that brink. That's a whole bag of yeah, worms. Yeah, that's, that's going to be forever. But I don't know about forever. I, I feel like remembering Notre Dame exists, especially when the AC, if the AC, if we're talking about the ACC breaking That's up. That's going to be what's intriguing. Yeah. So if you're saying at the same time that you can get a North Carolina, you'll already know Oregon is just a phone call away, probably. Like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot. You're starting to think of like how many different brands are there for the taking. I just don't know if Miami is in the top four. They're really close. I I know I didn't name four that are above Miami. I know I haven't, but there are other ACC programs that might that might become a real battle for them. I think you also got to see what is it taken 
by the SEC, right? Like, like yes, obviously. You know, it's You're, just like it's, the Big Ten's probably not going to get Florida State. The no. Big Ten's probably not going to go for Clemson. Those we everyone feels like those are SEC shoe ins. Yes. Now, are they? I don't know. I can barely understand the SEC. You're our SEC guy. <laughs> like, do you do you feel very secure in those Absolutely. two? Absolutely. Yes. You think the entire SEC will want them? I think you would have pushback from the Gators, which would get shut down pretty quick, and obviously South Carolina. But other than that, why wouldn't you want to bring them in? Okay. Um, I know this doesn't move the needle at all in terms of athletic success, but Georgia Tech for the Big Ten, academics-wise. I think Georgia Tech Metro would. Market. Yeah. Georgia Tech would fit in better in the Big Ten. Yeah. So, but, so you got to battle Miami with them. I'm taking Miami over Georgia Tech because their their brand and their act their athletics will bring me more money than Georgia Tech, hands down. Because Georgia yeah. Tech's like every decade or so they're good at something. The only thing, because I can't counter that. Like it, it's a better athletic brand. It's not a better academic brand. Georgia Tech is one of the best. No, but I think you got to find there. the balance of academics. Why and are athletics. Rutgers and Maryland in the Big Ten? Rutgers and Maryland are in there just because of their markets at the time. So the Atlanta market with I, one I of understand the best that, academic schools in the nation, it's a closer battle than we think, man. It probably My, might be. I just I, I have see a hard a, time I see a world it. where Miami actually doesn't get the Big Ten ask. And we're already it's already pretty easy to see how they wouldn't get the SEC ask. The SEC gets Florida State. What do they need Miami for? They already have Florida and Florida State. Yeah, they don't need Miami. So where does Miami end up? Well, at that I point, I think I left think out, then they would go to the Big 12. I think the Big 12 would be stupid to, to yeah. pass that. I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm not trying to, like, speak it into existence. It's just something I think we got to keep track of in all this realignment stuff because Miami is honestly in a weird spot. If their football was on track right now, I don't think it would be a question. No, not, a, not at all. But their football's not on track I can't argue that Georgia Tech isn't an interesting ask over them. I already think North Carolina, just overall, they check the boxes on academics. Their football's not terrible. They're closer geographically. Like, North Carolina is a pretty sports-crazed market, and you add the basketball, shoot. I would feel a little more comfortable taking Virginia and Miami over Georgia Tech still. Yeah, I understand the... I'm, t- I understand I'm probably the pers- taking Virginia and North Carolina first. You, then you get down to, like... Georgia Tech, Oregon, Miami, Notre Dame, if they finally feel the weak knees, that one's a stretch. I always know that one's a stretch. And the, I understand the, the lure of Georgia Tech. I just can't I, I, I can't I just, take I just, them over Miami. I just Miami. named four schools in there that Miami has to battle with. Two of them get in. Two of them don't. Ugh. You see what I'm saying? No, I get it, you, yeah. That, that's the only point I'm trying to make, is that it's an interesting... It's an interesting situation Miami finds themselves in, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad uh, Manny Navarro kind of breached this topic on 365 Sports for us to dive into a little. No doubt. But coming up next, we're going to get into some more Big Ten talk as we look at the over-unders and some of the best uh, moves to make there. You're listening to the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you. And Jack, it is time to draft our Big Ten over-unders. Oh, gosh. You're the Big Ten guy? I feel, I'm the Big Ten You're the boy. Look, look, you got a little Purdue Pete posted up on your laptop and everything. I know, but like... You're supposed to to be full of confidence. It's not as fun to watch as the Big 12 or the (laughs) SEC. Hell, the Pac-12. It's not fun football. It really isn't. That's the crazy thing. Like, like I, I, and I understand like the history. Segment, the, but the, like, it's really not. I hope it becomes that it way. It is the closest thing we still have to three yards in a cloud of dust at the college level. And Iowa just keeps steering into that skid, dude. Iowa, yeah. Ugh. They're a hot but mess. yeah. So we're looking. We're looking at the good old over unders like we've done already for the SEC and the Big Twelve. We're drafting them. So Garrett has first pick. Once he Ooh. takes it, it's off the board. I get second. We go back and forth three rounds. Those are those are going to be our top six bets for the Big Ten over unders this year. I am going to start with Wisconsin under nine. Okay, that's a, that's a strong one. That I I have to. I'm a little unhappy you took that. I, I, I'm not surprised. Um, I really like Luke Fickle. Same and I here. think what they have the potential to become is going to be a lot of fun, and they're going to be really dangerous. I've always liked Wisconsin. I like how they play, their style of play, the tradition. I know it's not like what people really think of. Like They, they kind of get lost in the shuffle, but I really respect what the hell they do because they're, they're so consistent, man. But looking at their schedule, I just don't see it happening. Um, I think they have the that really week two. We're going to find out a lot about them because they're going to play Washington State, um, who is a team that I think is really lethal. Um, and then, like, so I ah. mean, it, it's tough because at least for me, when I look at this schedule, if you don't mind me waiting, no, go in, ahead. I don't really see a guaranteed loss until Ohio State in week nine. Yeah, it could be seven to zero heading into that for one. For all I know, the problem is. I don't know if they're going to be Washington State. I know they've got a ridiculously good streak going against Purdue. But we don't know what Purdue's going to be. We don't know what Purdue's going to be. And frankly, like, there's excitement there. And maybe I just want to feel it because I'm kind of a Purdue guy. But when you've got Hudson Card coming in with... um, Why am I blanking on his name? Graham Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell is the OC. I'm like, it's not Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell's not the one. Graham Harrell's the quarterback. (laughs) No, it's Graham Harrell. With... That quarterback and OC combo coming in, I'm really interested to see. And it's not in Camp Randall, yes. which means there it's not a guaranteed Purdue loss. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm enough of a Big Ten guy to know that. If that game was in Camp Randall, I would already chalk Just it up chalk to a Wisconsin it, yeah. win. Yeah, I mean, and, it, I, and then and then Iowa and Illinois are both games that could Iowa definitely scares be the hell out of me in that matchup. Like, I, if Wisconsin can score 28 points in that game, which by that point their offense might be humming. But if they can score 28 points, they're winning that game. They I, should I, be able to. I was not going to win a game where they have to score more than 28 points. Yeah, and Illinois, I, I like what they did last year, um, but I feel like this is a team. That's kind of a, another one of those coin flip games because I can see that going either way. I would like to see Wisconsin get that. I think they have to have that, honestly, heading into Ohio State. I mean, you should beat Indiana, Northwestern. Nebraska is another one that's going to be tricky and Minnesota because both of those, like, at that point, what is Nebraska? Um I think they will obviously be better. And then Minnesota's – because you never really would know what you're going to get with the Gophers, right? Like, nope. P.J. Fleck can come out and be like a – have them just humming, and then they just look like, what the hell is going on? 
It's yeah. they're so inconsistent. So and they were so, they were super close to beating Iowa last year, and then the Iowa defense pulled out. I think multiple touchdowns. Yeah, like it's like it. You just don't know what you're going to get from Minnesota. I feel like as good of a coach as Fleck has has shown flashes to be. Right. Um. The the point of all this is honestly, if you even after looking at every individual game with Wisconsin, and I'm. I guess I'm making your own argument for you because you're the one who drafted them. Yeah, I'm just thinking they can but win like, at least seven games. Like, can, I'm confident. Like, seven yeah. to eight games, hell yeah, I'm taking nine. that. But if the line's at nine, I've got to go under. The line's just, at nine, that means they can't lose more than two games. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a push. If they lose a third, it's a push. Yeah. That's not a bet I'm taking. No, not if at all. If they lose a fourth game, you're done. Exactly. Like, if it was eight and a half... Ooh, that'd be. I that'd might have took tougher. that. That would have been. That would have made it a little. That more. would have been a lot tougher. Yeah, but at nine, you're telling me they lose three, and all I get is a push. Yeah, not no. Who you so, got? Following up, you taking probably my favorite, <laughs> my favorite one on there. Uh, I'm gonna go with a weird one because it's gonna sound like I'm picking two, but really, I'm picking Michigan over ten and a half. Okay. Now. It's not the safest, but I think it all comes down to this. Michigan and Ohio State are both listed at 10.5 lines. I don't think either one loses more than two games in the regular season. But one of those losses is going to come in the game. And I think that's pretty much what decides it. One of those teams is going to hit the over 10.5. One of those teams is going to win the game. That's the decider. And Michigan's on a roll. I don't think Ohio State has it i think they might i think it's psychological at this point i'm just gonna say it i i think ohio state has lost the it factor that they had over michigan and michigan has it now yeah which is really weird i mean well i'm i'm kind of surprised it took this long i I feel like harbaugh the, the fact that it took him as long as it did to find the right quarterback and finally put the pieces together. To, and also, also, I mean, I think we, we the elephant in the room is Urban Meyer, right? Like, that's really what opened this up. It's Urban Meyer I mean, leaving. That's really what changed the game. Because Harbaugh had yeah. no chance in hell of beating Urban Meyer. Talk about psychological, bro. That was some psychological <laughs> yeah. warfare. It, it, it's kind of amazing what one guy can, can change in that. But, hey, I guess Urban Meyer's really good at psychological warfare on his own team. <laughs> but, yeah, so that – what? That was great. Uh, yeah, I just – I feel like Michigan's going to win the game, and I feel like that keeps them that keeps them safely to one loss outside of that. And, yeah, I think Michigan over 10.5 is probably the, safe, the second safest bet I see after the Wisconsin, but – Please enlighten me on what you have next and how I'm wrong. I am taking another under, and it, I'm riding with history on this, and I am taking Nebraska under six. Okay, yeah. Because if if anybody is familiar with Matt Rule and how he approaches building a program. Which the, we here in Waco yes, are. The first year, especially when you're going – like. He, I love watching how he picks his programs and does his work, and it, it's going to be so interesting, but – he always they go about win about two games in the first year and then you'll slowly you know trickle the more wins in 
But looking at this, I think this is going to be one of the better Nebraska teams just because I have that faith in Matt Rule as a coach. Uh, but giving history, you're, you got uh, Jeff Sims coming in as your quarterback now that Casey Thompson's out the door. I really don't have much faith in him. Um, the talent's going to come, but they are significantly behind the, the upper echelon of programs from a depth perspective. Uh, looking at their Ross, I mean their schedule, you have games against Ohio State. You have you, you finish with Purdue, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Um, that's not ideal. And you have Michigan, and you play North Carolina. Um, you got Iowa, who I mean, their defense. Like I just that sounds I like six losses to me. I don't see it happening. So like, at best, you get a push. Yeah. At best, they make a bowl game and you get a push. Otherwise. And this is, this is something that I think specifically should be noted about the way Matt Rule uh, tries to build his programs. He finds his guys. He finds the guys who are most bought in. And if they're the young guys, if he sees potential in them, those are there. the guys that are playing all game. Yeah. Like, Baylor, first year under Matt Rule, he played a lot of young guys. Yep. He did not care how long you'd been there. He cared about if you did things right, if you worked hard, you were going to get rewarded with playing time, which means a lot of the young guys, a lot of guys he's looking to build around get playing time, which also means you get a lot of young guy mistakes out on the field. Yep. He does not care if that costs him games in that first year. Never has. I don't think he ever will. Nebraska doesn't change that. So I think that definitely holds them back a little. That probably keeps them towards more like five, four wins rather than six. And six is a push on this bet. For real. So... So I'm riding with Nebraska on that. Who you got? Uh man, no, no grace in the transitions here. You're just you're just like Jack. What's next? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to buy a little time. I gotta I gotta choose between a couple overs actually. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna go with a lower number here just because I feel like it's a little easier to go over a lower number. I think Purdue's gonna go bowling at least. I think they're gonna go over five point five. I am agreeing with you on that's, this. I, think I had them a bit in of the a back pocket pick. is over five and a half. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a homer pick, but I mean the non conference is not easy, and I think that's why their line is so low. You've got Fresno State, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse. That I should mean, be three and zero. Should be. I don't know if they will be. New head coach, new quarterback. New offensive system. There's a lot of new, and those are not easy opponents. No, but I, I... You have some program momentum, though, and so I'm hoping you go 2-1 and one out of those. But look, Virginia Tech's not exactly what they used to be. Um, they're still even... I, I mean, I just don't trust the Hokies right now. Um, oh, me neither. I mean, hell, we have a former Baylor backup who might win their starting job. I doubt it, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not keeping up too well with what the Virginia Tech QB competition's <laughs> at, but all I know is Kyron Jones is out there, and so I know one of the options, and doesn't that doesn't make doesn't it too put confident. the fear of God yeah, in me. Exactly. Doesn't put the fear of God in me as a Purdue guy. But looking past that, they get Wisconsin early, which I think is a big deal for them. I think you've got two programs, new head coaches, new offensive systems. I think it levels the playing field a bit. Yes, especially since Purdue is that much more used to running the spread. They see it every day in practice. They're going to be able to defend it better. Not like Wisconsin won't have a good defense. I mean, it's Wisconsin. Exactly. They're going to have, They're going to have a good defense. But I just feel like it evens the playing field. I'm not saying Purdue's definitely going to win because that Wisconsin's always scary for Purdue right. fans. 
but it's at home, it's in Rossade, and it, and the playing field's more even because of all the new staff. After that, you've got Illinois' old defensive coordinator is your head coach. Yeah. Evens the playing field. Yep. Iowa. Purdue has some weirdly good mojo against Iowa. I don't know if it helps them this year, but they've got some weirdly good mojo against Iowa. Maybe that was a Jeff Brom thing. Anyway, doubt they're beating Ohio State, even though it's at home. Spoiler yeah, makers no. probably ain't riding that game. You got Nebraska. You need to win that game. You're, you're going to hit this bet, and you need to beat Nebraska because you're not beating Michigan. Minnesota's a toss-up. Northwestern, I have no idea, but I kind of expect to win just because... Dave I think they terrible. should go three and one in those final four games. Exactly. They need to go three and one in those final four games. You're telling me that they can't nab three in their other eight? They have to. That I, I agree with you. I, yeah. I had Purdue over as well. It, I, it's going to be an interesting year it. to watch the Boilermakers, but I just feel like they've got enough momentum and there's enough there's enough times where I'm like, that could be a coin flip, that could be a coin flip, that could be a coin flip. Yeah. Or I'm just thinking there's only so many losses I feel like are guaranteed on this board, so I'm feeling good about that bet. I like it. I'm going to hit the over as well this time. And Ooh, finally, we got some positivity. Uh, th th this is going to be one that I'll probably get roasted over. Uh, I'm taking Iowa over seven and a half. You got to stop taking my picks, Gary. I'm taking I Iowa. I don't know who I'm going to go with. Over seven and a half. Uh, you upgrade at quarterback. Um, you have your offensive coordinator who has had certain stipulations put in place where he better be more productive with his unit this year. The most fraudulent coordinator. They call him an offensive uh, coordinator. He's a defensive coordinator. Let's be real. Bro, it is He's a defensive so coordinator for their opponents. It's so bad. Um, and your schedule is one that is just not bad at all. Like, you start off with Utah State. That should be a dub. Um, they have roster turnover going on. Obviously, a couple of those guys are headed to Waco. Um, Iowa State... I don't see you losing that game. Like, didn't Iowa State get them last yeah, year? Yeah, Iowa State somehow got them. I think it was like a 9-10 yeah. game. It was I, ugly as hell. That I do not see it happening again. Like, Iowa just does not lose to Iowa State, which is so weird because you would think Iowa State's style would give them oh, it, trouble it's, it's, it's every insane to me single that season. The, one of the ugliest games I saw all year was actually an Iowa loss. It's ridiculous. Like, it seems like that game had Iowa winning written all over it, but they it found should a way. Have. And then, I mean, you've got Wyoming. So you should start off 3-0, and and then when you play Penn State, that's you're getting beat by Penn State. Penn State's going to be good. Um, I do not trust um, Michigan State at all. I think you get that win. Purdue and Wisconsin back-to-back. -back. I mean, I trust your defense, honestly, to slow them teams, those teams down. You're probably down. winning one of those two. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're – yeah, and then – if the offense is no better than last year, they're losing the one of those two. But. damn well better be better than last year. I, I don't see how it gets any worse. Uh, and then your final four games. I don't think it literally could. I, I think they were like, what, 128 out of 130 yeah, or something? Like awful. <laughs> and your final four games, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska. Like, you have got to win, what, three, three at least of that? If they don't win three, then, like, what uh, The is only going team on? that really kind of worries me there... Illinois. is illinois but you know like at, also i mean nebraska could be humming at that point you, you don't really know that where they kind of fall apart i mean <laughs> you know it's shambles but well, no I, be, what it's really going to be is nebraska is this close against everyone they can't conceal exactly. the exactly <laughs> i'm not even saying that because it's nebraska i'm saying that because it's matt rule i know that's how is, it always it's nebraska happens and matt rule so sorry enough about nebraska but yeah no i i really do i i like Iowa's defense i like 
I mean, they really cannot afford to not score this season. Um, I like the quarterback don't know situation. How we are both in agreement that a team with such a terrible offense is going to hit the over on seven and a half it, wins. Defense like, wins championships, unless you're, well. Not championships, <laughs> but I think it'll win eight games. Yeah, it will. It better win eight games. Eight, I'm, not, I'm not putting schedule. any money on them to win nine. It's eight. No. They're getting to eight. And that's I it. I think it's a safe eight. I was eight and four this year. Book it. Take it. Take it with you. Like, it just. You got to ride with it. I'm yeah. comfortable with riding with that. Now I got to figure out what I'm comfortable riding with here because let's see, you took Nebraska under six, right? I did. So I that's off the board. Um, Wisconsin under nine's off. Purdue the board. and Wisconsin are off the board, or Purdue over Wisconsin under, Michigan over. I don't want to do the flip of what I already said. I already made the argument for Ohio State under mm-hmm. because I said it's an it's an either or. One of Michigan and Ohio State's over, one of them's under, right? And they're both at ten and a half. So I'm not I'm not going to give you the, the cheap answer here so i'm not gonna take minnesota they're so like Mar- i do not trust Maryland's I not intriguing indiana i'm man as a purdue guy i kind of want to take it and just just pile drive on them but you know what i'm gonna go out on a limb here because we're just gonna have some discussion let's look at penn state i'm gonna take i'm gonna take the penn state over i had that I'm going to take the Penn State over here, and it's it's risky. It's very risky. It's risky because I don't think they're beating Michigan. I don't think they're beating Ohio State. Automatically, you're at you're at a nine and a half, and those are your two losses. Yeah, they have to go perfect otherwise. But looking through their schedule, I don't think they're losing any of the other games. West Virginia win. I think that's Delaware. Delaware. Sol- solid FCS program. They're winning that. Illinois. Crazy, all those overtime games not that long ago. Eh, who cares? I think they're winning that. Iowa. It's the whiteout. This is this is the whole this is the game, the whole thing. That is one on of my me. favorite sports things, period. The whiteout at Happy Valley. I'm is, a bit of a, photo- of a photographer, and if I could go shoot the dude, whiteout game, that is awesome. I think I could die happy. Yes. Because it's just spectacular. It's a, it's an amazing spectacle. But because it's the whiteout game, because it's at home. I just don't think Iowa wins that game. I think no. Penn State survives. So they're intact. They haven't lost another game yet. They're 4-0. They got, they've got uh, Northwestern, 5-0. By UMass. I, I don't like that because I feel like if you, and I, I know you probably didn't have much say in I'm this. Really, I'm really confused. But no, I, the, the bye, having the bye before UMass, I would have loved to have the bye before Ohio State. Like, I understand... It's yeah. just it's just one of those. I'm not things. sure how the scheduling how the scheduling worked out there, but yeah, you got the bye heading into UMass, and then you got Ohio State. You got a tune up heading into Ohio State. No, yeah. I'm not terribly mad about it. And so at that point, you're what six and one coming out of Ohio State, Indiana seven and one, Maryland, Maryland could be an interesting one. Yeah, could be an interesting one. That's the probably the second scariest one on there after Iowa to me. Maybe Illinois. Either way, those those are the three in question. Iowa's the biggest question. Yeah. Then you got Illinois and Maryland. After that, uh, hopefully you get out of Maryland. You're eight and one, eight and two after Michigan. Win against Rutgers. Win against Michigan State. Boom, you hit the over. It's a tough one. I just felt like it was a good one to talk about because it's weird that it all hinges on a freaking Week Four game in my mind. It really does, and it's like I, w- I was kind of apprehensive. I do not really ever trust Penn State. 
Um, they feel like they're always on the cusp of doing something great, and they just find a way to stumble up and get in their own way. Um, but looking at this, I, I feel confident with it. I think they're going to upgrade at the quarterback position. Uh, they have a lot of talent, and, and I mean, I, I trust them. I just, I don't trust them. I, I just, I don't trust them as a whole. Like I like, I would love to see them go out and be good. I just, this is, has to be their year, man. This has to be the year to get the over. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to see it out of them. Honestly, maybe I'm just wanting it, but. Hey, we're gonna own that. I'm gonna put my money on that, or my fake money, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know what the stipulations on talking betting are here on YouTube. Well, you're so. not a college athlete. You're good. Oh, wow. <laughs> shots fired! Damn. But this is not our last draft for the day, nope. right, Garrett? It is not. So coming up next, Bill Conley from ESPN put out an article naming the top uh, quarterbacks since 2000. We're going to have a little fun with that. We're going to put our own spin on it. Our best value picks from an NIL perspective from the quarterbacks. That's coming up next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the College Chaos Podcast. We're going to put a bow on this bad boy with a little fun. Is it? Yeah. Can, can you be a bad boy and wear a bow? I'm look, man. I'm sure you could. The, look, heck yeah, you can. You see the mafia, <laughs> dog? The mafia, Bruh, Hell yeah, all of them got bow ties on and stuff strapped up. Yeah, hell yeah, you can. Okay, bow tie. That's a good way to get out of it. Because I, I was thinking like bow, like up, up on a freaking. Uh, on like a headband or something hey. or in your hair. I'm just like, I also love the steps you took to be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, was yeah. Like, I had to think about it for a second. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I won't talk down on the mob, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Paul's, Paul's gonna come in here all hyped up Italian style and everything coming at me. Hey, hey. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to do the, uh, best value quarterbacks, um, from, from uh, Bill Conley's article on the ESPN there, he breaks down the top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s. Uh, his number one definitely had some people in a tizzy. Baker Mayfield, I just, I don't get that whatsoever. But that's either, for but the debates. That, that, that's not what we're here That's not what we're about. here for. So I wanted to do this, um, like thinking of players who, if not necessarily, in, I mean, you could throw NIL factor in there as well. But three players under the radar, per se, that you would want to have on your team. Uh, and I think that a lot of these guys could leverage NIL as well, especially my number one, damn sure could. Yeah, I think when we were when we were kind of trying to figure out exactly how we wanted to frame this segment, we had a little trouble, and we're still not 100% on right. like a great foundation. But it's more of like bang for your buck. Exactly. Kind of NIL. Under the, yeah. what are you, like under the radar, entertainment value exactly. to a college fan base yes. based on like what they were in college correct we're not entirely sure if we like how we're gonna use like 
Mahomes was what fifty seven on this list. Yeah, but he was not a great college quarterback. Yeah, like I want you've got to you have to focus strictly on their college. Great, awesome. Like their pro career does not matter. So who are you starting us off with? I'm going to start off my and we're going to do top three. Uh, I'm gonna start off number three for me. Oh, we're starting at three. Yes. Oh, okay. Let's work our way down. Let's work. Let's work our way down. Three to one. Three to one. Okay. Are you good with that? Well. I, I thought we were going to go back and forth that way. Like guys would be taken off the board. I don't right, want. I don't want do to match up. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's draft that. I'm going to take. I will take Brad Smith. Brad Smith, quarterback from Mizzou from 2002 to 2005. Um, Not this, someone even on my top 12. I loved watching Brad Smith play, and I think when you if you think back to Mizzou football, I know a lot of people will probably go to Chase Daniel, rightfully so, and what he was able to do. You're darn with right, I'm going to go to Chase Daniel. But there would be no Chase Daniel without Brad Smith. I think what Brad Smith was able to do uh, at Missouri was put them on the map. Uh, you go back and look. That guy uh, played in some of the biggest games there. He's a Hall of Fame quarter, uh, quarterback for them. Uh, he led Mizzou to their first win against Nebraska since 78. He averaged 2,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards dude across a four-year career. Dog, dude. Holy, I didn't. Man. He was an absolute dog. <laughs> Uh, he threw for over 8,000 yards, rushed for over 4,000. I mean, there was nothing this man could not do. Uh, he was up for the Heisman Damn. Trophy on two different occasions, 2003, 2005. Eh, he couldn't bring it home. Hey, look, man, I don't care. He was fun to watch. And yeah. I think that that was a guy that um, any time – when I would love to have Brad Smith leading my team. Uh, you could – obviously, there's a lot of people that you could pick above him. But for bang for your buck, when I'm looking at it and I'm going from three to one, I'm taking Brad Smith from Mizzou. Is he your top pick or is he your third? He's my third pick. Okay, then I'm, I'm going to start towards the bottom for myself. Okay. Let me let me find his little blurb here on the article just to make sure I've got the stats in front of me. But I'm going for another guy who had uh, maybe an under-the-radar shot at the Heisman. Keenan Reynolds from Navy. I would have not ever even have thought of that. A really okay. particular offense, because he's, he's not like a true quarterback quarterback. Right. But man, that dude was electric. He was. I just, I, I feel like the 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 offense and the, the team kind of get lost for me. Like, I feel like I didn't have an opportunity to watch enough of him. Like I, I know what he did, and, and I guess that's kind of where he's off my radar. But would you like he? The numbers he put up there were absolutely absurd. Put him in the offense that like Dak Prescott ran in Mississippi State. I think he's outdoing Dak Prescott. Yeah, as da- much of a great Dak pro as Dak be, as Dak became. I was not impressed with Dak in Mississippi State. I think Keenan Reynolds could be electric in that kind of offense because he was electric in even more ancient and unelectric offense, and. Maybe maybe it's just the TD number, the gaudy TD number. 88 rushing TDs in his career. I believe that's still an NCAA record. It should be. But he's... It's really cool to see that as the options died out, this guy came along and ran it better than goddamn near anyone's <laughs> ever run it. Yeah, he did. And it's not because people don't know how to defend the option. There's a reason the option died out. So I, like... Maybe it's a love for the Navy, love for the service, but I'm going with Keenan Reynolds, my number three. Bang for your buck. Love to see him. Get him on my campus. I think he's going to be electric kind of way. I like it. I respect that. I respect that a lot. My number two, oh, man. I'm going Pat White uh, at West Virginia. Pat White was a beast. Uh, 
what he was oh, able yeah, to do with Rich Rod and them uh, at West Virginia was unreal. Um, he kind of helped them. We were talking about Miami earlier. Pat White paved the way for West Virginia to go in and recruit players out of the greater Miami area and Florida as a whole. You did not want to go to Morgantown back then <laughs> and play. I'm still uh, not sure how many people do. The, yeah, I know. But he, this dude was – he lit the Big East up. He was the first player in the Big East to pass for over 10,000 yards. Uh, throughout his season, he threw for over 6,000. I mean, threw for over 6,000 yards, 65% completion rating, 56 touchdowns, rushed for almost 5,000 yards. Dude was an absolute beast. Him and Steve Slanton torched defenses. Uh, and I think right now, if you put his persona and his personality with an NIL game, uh, he would crush it, dude. Absolutely crush it. I feel like a lot of guys off that West Virginia team oh, would crush it. Hell yeah, they would. Like, yeah, I Miami. I, I mean, they West Virginia wishes they could have a fraction of that juice back, dude. Honestly, I think they'd take Pat McAfee back at punter if they could. Yeah, like, <laughs> without a doubt. Like, I think I think they are hard <laughs> up for some juice on that team, some juice around that program. Yes, but yeah, I I have no arguments with with Pat White. Now, looking bang for your buck here. I don't want to go with the obvious one like Mahomes. I'm going to go a different Big 12 quarterback. Colin Klein. Colin Klein was cold. Yeah. He Come was on, cold. You know he was cold. He was like, I would have, Will Howard reminds me so much of him too, but he, he's a better passer, but those Not Kansas State teams. dynamic runner. Yeah. Those Kansas State teams were just different with him. Yeah. They I were mean, gritty, physical. Just nasty. Classic Bill Snyder. Exactly. And he was the classic Bill Snyder quarterback. He was the Bill Snyder superstar. Yes. And now he's back as the OC, I believe. He is. And I just remember feeling like this dude can get whatever the he wants yeah. out on the field. It didn't always work out. That was the thing about Kansas State. They, like... When you needed the talent to show up to win the massive game because that was the true difference, sometimes it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be because Colin Klein didn't show up. No, he showed up every day. Yeah. You put up like uh, damn near 5,000 passing yards in his career, solid completion percentage, 30 touchdowns. He got almost 2,500 rushing yards in his career and 56 rushing touchdowns. 56 he was rushing a goal touchdowns. line machine, dude. Yeah. He was crazy. And... He led some really fun offenses, so I think he's a pretty safe pick for me. I like that pick. I do. I like that a lot. This one, um, you might think it might be a yeah, little who, fringy. Who's your number one? Because uh, so this is your number one, right? Yes, and when making this decision, I didn't pick any player who made the top ten of Bill Conley's list. No, I, th I think we kept that as but a But I came really close with this one. Okay. Johnny freaking football. Oh, I'm taking gosh. Johnny football. 10 days out of 10. Like, this this dude, like, was everything you wanted in a college football player. He had the energy, the arrogance, the persona, just the don't give a damn. Uh, led Texas A&M to arguably their, one of their biggest wins in program history when they beat Bama. Uh, the, the money flashing. Like, the first time I, I remember this. I dare this. say that Bama win is bigger than – any win that they've had except a win against Texas. Yeah, or that damn natty they claim from like the 30s. <laughs> they don't actually claim that. But They don't. I and just if, if an Aggie wants to come in here and tell me that they actually claim that, they can walk right back out the door. 
But yeah, I've, I've, I've met some that do want to claim that because they're diff- a little different. Dear Lord. But yes, I, Johnny Manziel was a freak of nature when it came to college football. Like I even remember watching him at Kerrville. The first time I ever heard Johnny football coined was the, the high school spotlight show with Rick Renner and Craig Way. And Rick Renner was doing a call of him from Kerrville and called him Johnny football. And I was like, that kid's a little different. And then you start watching him and the manifest. Now, Pro Johnny, off the field Johnny, two different things. But you want fans in the stands, uh, somebody who can capitalize on NIL, Johnny football all day. Yeah, yeah I, I got to agree. He's just – he was a roller coaster. To say the least. To say the least. And I'm not even talking about whatever happened after A&M. But, man, college football was that much more fun and, for that reason, better. Absolutely was. Him. It was awesome. And so, of course, I'd want him on my campus. That's a great pick. Thank you. Like, I don't know I'm going to top that. I don't think I actually will. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm looking at my other options on my list. Let me, let me read through some of them. Um, you know, you've got your Trevor Lawrence, Golden Boy. Yeah. You've got, you've got your, your Graham Harrells, your uh, David Carrs, Aaron Rodgers. David Carr, look, he would be a really good one. Yeah, he would. He's not who I'm going to go with. At the end of the day, it really came down between Chase Daniel and Bryce Young. Talk about. I'm taking Bryce. Yeah. I'm taking Bryce because if there's one thing I always felt like watching, maybe this is some recency bias. Maybe it is. But if there's one thing I felt when I watched Bryce Young outside of my absolute hatred for Alabama is, damn. This is like a controlled Johnny Manziel. This is like a guy who's out here playing backyard football, but he's not making it look hectic. Right. He's making it look normal. He's out here just picking apart defenses, doing crazy shit, and making it look like it's the most average day at the office for him. He was electric, and he was calm about it. Like, over 8,000 passing yards, 66% completion rate. 80 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. That's absolutely absurd. Like I think I, I just, don't I don't know what else to say. Like he 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 was the top prospect coming out of high school and he lived up to it. That's the no thing. No one's doubted it. That's the thing. He actually no one ever lived had to ask to it. it. Like he just did. It's insane to me. And he's 19 on this list? Like I know there are a lot of greats on this list. He's a like he's a he's uh he's one behind Andrew Luck. And it, it's just when you look at just how he showed up, yeah. did his thing, no one made any bones about it, and he was just what everyone wanted him to be. It's it's he, crazy to me. He, he really was like of, a quiet superstar. He he didn't come out of nowhere. He didn't like his play was flashy, but he wasn't flashy. Yeah. And there's something really cool about that to me. And that's what that's what piqued my interest. That's what got me to put him at number one for me. That's fair. And that's not number one in terms of what Bill Connolly's trying no, to do. No, 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 no. That's just like kind of your bang for your buck off of this list for us. Yes. But yeah, I mean that I, I like your list. Um I, this was really intriguing. I wasn't sure how we wanted to do it, but I like how you uh you threw the idea out there about doing the power rankings of of essentially that. And yeah, uh, I'm I'm sorry I, I turned it into a draft. I just feel like uh, maybe maybe I'm doing too many drafts on this show, but I, I like it because it it's gives no, it's back good and context. Forth. Yeah, you, you know you don't know where the next thing's coming from, but you know 
Yep. But yeah, that's going to do it for today. Uh, make sure you go over and, like I said, check out Josh Neighbors, who is about to drop in 30 minutes right here on the Crystal please, Ball please, College please. Football we Channel. We are so happy to have him with us on the Crystal Ball College Football Channel and in the 365 Sports family. He's doing great work, and uh, we just hope that all that gets off to a great start. So please go check him out. It drops at 1.30 today on this YouTube channel. Also, go check out 365 Sports in the afternoon. We have a big show coming up this evening from 3 to 6, including Barry Switzer, former Oklahoma coach, uh, Mac Rhodes, Baylor AD, and a few others as well. So make sure you check in and tune that tune in for that. Uh, go over to the website, Sikkim365.com, for all the latest coverage for Baylor Athletics. Plus some realignment threads Plus in there. Plus some realignment we've got, we've got threads. got some good, good info in those threads. And uh, make sure you go follow the Baylor Bear channel as well, uh, where we do the Bearcast every Tuesday from noon uh, to 1 live. And Grayson and um, Craig right. kill that every yep. week. It's always fun. But we have plenty of content for you. But we appreciate you listening and tuning in when you do. Make sure you like and subscribe and spread the word. But this has been the College Chaos Podcast. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everyone. Peace.